and He is filling up those who, who come with mourning and sorrow. The Lord will turn your mourning and sorrow to dancing and joy. Hallelujah. Because He loves you. Because He is for you. So come to Him this morning. Come to Him. Come running into the shadow of His almighty wing. For surely He wants to wrap His arms of love around you. He does. He wants to be your refuge from the storms of life. And some of you this morning have come in with burdens so heavy you don't know how you are going to carry on. But just know that there is a way forward as you exalt the Lord, as you turn your eyes away from yourself and look to Him. He will make all things new. He will restore you. He will give you hope. He will fill you with His love and His peace and His joy. He will do this for you. So come to Him this morning in faith, for it is faith that can move a mountain. Hallelujah. It is faith. It is faith. Just believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and you will be saved. Just believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and He will take you from this hell pit to an eternal destination, which is a place of love and joy. Heaven awaits us. Your eternity awaits you. So step in and receive from Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. reading this morning from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him this morning. Consider Him as we take the emblems of communion. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What a beautiful piece of Scripture from Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. 
Hallelujah. It's a day for us to throw off everything that hinders. It's a day for us to examine our hearts. Examine your hearts this morning. What is it that's hindering you? What is it that's weighing you down this morning? Allow the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask Him. Ask Him, Holy Spirit, what is hindering me this morning? What is slowing me down this morning? He will hear you. Could it be stress? Could it be depression? Could it be a lack of faith? Do you have a wrong mindset? Or are you hearing from God and just being disobedient? Well, today's the day for you to throw it off, for you to break it off, for you to cut it off. Hallelujah. It's time to leave these things at the foot of the cross. It's time to leave them with Jesus Christ because that is why He came and suffered and died. He came so that you and I have an eternal hope. He came so that we could walk in the abundance of His goodness, of His love, of His joy and of His peace. Hallelujah. That is worth thanking the Lord Jesus for. That is why He came. He came because He loves you, every single one of you and those watching online. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Will you meet Him today by faith? It's just faith. It's just believing. And then you wait and see and watch what the Lord will do. And the Lord Jesus gave us this institution of communion for a reason. It's so that we could come into the throne room of God. It's so that we could come into a relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the living God. Hallelujah. Because God is three in one. He is the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate them out. And once you do that, once you come into that place of leaving your burdens at the foot of the cross, then you are free. You are free to run the race that is set before you and run it with endurance and perseverance because God has good plans for you, sons and daughters of the Most High. Hallelujah. He does. He does. So come to Him this morning. As you take of the emblems of communion, come with a repentant heart. Ask Him to show you what it is that's stopping you from reaching the full potential that He has for you, men and women of God. It's time to rise up. It's time to be victorious. It's time to take ownership of everything that you have inside of you and let God be at the steering wheel. Goodbye to self-will. Goodbye to to trying to control and manipulate things your own way. Just leave it at the foot of the cross and He will lead and guide you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. So we're going to take of the bread this morning. Let's just have a moment where we can repent before the Lord.
we repent individually, God. We repent corporately, oh Lord, for disappointing you, for running our own race. And we lay before you those things, disobedience, bad mindsets, lack of faith, depression, unforgiveness. We lay these things this morning at your feet, Lord Jesus. Forgive us. Cleanse us. We take of your body this morning in remembrance of you and what you did for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this cup, which represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shed blood on the cross, which represents victory. For for because of this blood, we are cleansed, we are made whole, and we can come before the living God into his throne room, into his presence. So we take it this morning and we thank you. Lord Jesus, for your blood that was poured out, that we may have life and life more abundantly. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Amel, would you like to come and share the offering prayer this morning? Perhaps. Perhaps uh, just play an offering song. Good morning. Hallelujah. So I'm tasked to lead us into offering this morning. And let's open our Bibles in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 to 14. And uh, do you believe that the Lord is... You can, you can hear me now? All good? So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. This is about the blessing that the Lord is in store for us. Amen? So can we all of us read this verse together? Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 to 14. So this is flashed on the screens. All together, 1, 2, 3. Being watchful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground 
and the fruit of your beasts, the increase of your cattle and the young of your flock. Bless, blessed shall be when you come. Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouse and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name in, in the presence of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity through the fruit of your body, of your livestock, and of your ground in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord shall open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give the rain of your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day, and are watchful to do them, and you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I commanded you this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Amen. Do you believe in that promise? Do you believe in that blessing? Hallelujah. So the Lord is going to bless us. But the first verse says, If you obey the Lord's command. Amen. So do you have blessing? Do you love blessing? Then first, we should obey the Lord's command. What was the Lord's command in terms of giving? Malachi 3.10. Can we flash that one? Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all tithes, the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and, pro and prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's the command of the Lord. Take note. The first word says, bring all the tithe didn't say give, let's bring, meaning you're not giving yet, just bring your 10%, that's for the Lord. And today we're going to have a breakthrough, let's have a prophetic act, 
Can you do that today? So what we're going to do, we're going to distribute each one with an envelope. I know a lot of you are giving your tithes and offering via online and via the Equus machine. But we will, we will be doing this prophetic act. That's why we're giving all an envelope to each one. And as Rabs will lead us into our song, <coughs> just march to the box and put that envelope. Amen? As an act of obedience to the word of the Lord. Either you put something inside or later on you just uh, send your offering via online. Doesn't matter. So we'll do an prophetic act today with that envelope. Yeah, can you distribute? Yep. Just distribute the envelopes. Each one will have. And as we do this prophetic act, just believe that you are obeying the Lord. Amen? Can we do all of that? Can we all stand up? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray first. Thank you, Father God, Lord, for your promises promises of blessings, Lord Jesus, if we will obey your commands. And today, Father, Lord God, as we do this prophetic act, we submit, Lord God, ourselves to you in obedience to your word. That we will bring, Lord God, our tithes and offering for your glory. You, Lord, you've said in your word that we will test you on this. And Father, we believe, Father, that you will Lord, bless us that you, Lord, you would give more than, Father, what we need, Lord Jesus, because you love us so much. Thank you, Father, Lord God. Lord, as we bring our tithes in offering, our envelopes in front, Lord God, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would bless our heart and lead us, Lord God, according to your truth, that as we have breakthrough, in terms of giving, Lord God, this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You are my shield. You are my defender. I will not be shaken. I will remember that you are good, your love endures forever. So I will sing, cause praise is the breakthrough. All of my days, all of my days, I want to be a Levite. Dancing in the battle, singing on the front line. You have the victory in this fight So I will sing Cause praise is the breakthrough You are my light You are my strength You are my song of deliverance You are my hope You are my joy In every season You're there when I fall 
Verses Pastor Amanda and Pastor Ramel were going to use this morning, but uh, I think they fit in pretty well. The Lord led me to a, a passage of scripture through the week, which I want to share with everyone. If you're watching online, welcome. We're glad you're here joining us again. Mark 11:22 onward says, And Jesus replying said to them, Have faith in God constantly. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does sorry, and does not doubt at all in his heart and believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. Verse 24 says, For this reason I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, and I'm leading up to something here, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. You pray for it and you believe it, you'll get it. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Let it drop. Leave it. Let it go, it says in the Amplified Bible. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your failings and shortcomings. Pastor Amanda sitting up towards the back today. <laughs> Something changes every week. You know, one week we miss a row at the front, Pastor Amanda's at the back, the next week it, it confuses me. So that, um, that passage of Scripture fits in with something exceptionally good that we've been believing for as a church, and a few of us were praying for. We didn't advertise this. If you were with us on Friday night when we, when we had the Shabbat meal together, we shared something at the start, there's a conference in Mullaney at the start of February, which we're going to with Brother Sadhu Salvaraj. Some of us are going to Israel for a conference in June that he's hosting as well. So we had the idea a couple of weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, of why don't we believe? Now, this is the guy, he's the head of Angel TV and Jesus Ministries. When he goes to preach in the Philippines, he fills stadiums. We thought, we're just going to believe and pray that he'll come and preach in our little church. On Friday, Thursday night, sorry, I get an, an email at 10 o'clock at night. And he doesn't do anything unless he prays about it and the Lord says, do it. I get an email saying, Brother Sudu would love to come to your church. <laughs> so... 
Church, get ready. This is what we've been praying for. This is a guy that fills stadiums when he preaches. He's coming here. We've only got eight weeks before he preaches here. So it's time to get ready. We need some volunteers to do some stuff. We'd love to have someone that can run the sound and the words for us. So if you want to be taught how to do that, let us know. There's plenty of jobs. We need to get ready. This is a big thing. This building will be full. Potentially, we will have to put speakers outside for the overflow. This is a big thing, church. This is what we mean when we pray for something and we believe it's going to happen. That mountain will move. My expectation in my unfaith was he'll be in Sydney at a big church or he'll be in Melbourne or... No, I would love to come to the refinery. Praise the Lord. He is a good God. So I encourage you to have that same level of faith. I encourage you to have the same level of faith. We will probably have more people on that day here than what is going to the conference in Mullaney because that was capped at 275. So anyone who couldn't get into that will probably be here. Get ready, church. Get ready. There's some things we need to do before it. So those that are watching online, we will not broadcast that day either. We will record it. So if you want to see it, you want to be part of it, you've got to come here. I don't care which state you're in. Even if you're in Western Australia, you fly over here and get accommodation. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer before we go any further. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to prophesy, it's not what they said, was it? They said, teach us how to pray. They said, say, he said, say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 What an exciting time. We're, we're, we're doing a baptism straight after church. So let me encourage you, don't take off straight away. Hang on, hang around for just a little bit. Wendy's getting baptized. If anyone else wants to get baptized, I'm going to be wet anyway, so you might as well jump in with us. So let me... Let me encourage you, hang around. When we do baptisms here, we do it out in the public. We're not like those churches that have a little baptismal under the stage somewhere. We do it out in public because it's a public declaration. If anyone remembers when Aunty Patty was getting baptised, all the young guys out there on the jet skis, she was preaching to them the whole time. It was fantastic. And those that don't know Brother Sadu, is this my water here? Oh, good, thank you. Those that don't know Brother Sadu, he's, he's an end-time prophet and he's very accurate. So tell all your friends. The 5th of February. It's going to be a busy day. So today we're actually going to continue our series about stewardship. It's titled, What Giving Does For You. We started it last week. The Bible teaches the concept of stewardship, isn't it? It's not just finances. It's everything that we do. And it teaches that we are responsible for God for who we are and what we have. And to be truly responsible, we must not only graciously receive, which some of us find hard. I'm a, I'm a really bad receiver. But we need to also generously give. I didn't know that Pastor Ramel was going to do that prophetic act of everyone get an envelope and put it in. 
We deliberately don't ask people what they're preaching, if they're part of the church or what they're doing for communion or what they're doing if they're doing a, a giving prayer because we want the Holy Spirit to move. And it always meshes in well. Because when he's involved, everything just comes together. So that's exactly what I'm going to talk about today, what Pastor Ramel just did, what giving actually does for you. Because it is absolutely, as it says in Malachi, a commandment. Bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. So the text we're going to concentrate on today is Philippians 4.17. If you're watching online, open your Bible up and read it with me. The scriptures will be on the screen though. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account, it says. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. Anyone who's been here for a little while would have heard me say at some stage, show me the fruit. Someone's a great prophet, great, show me the fruit. Someone's a fantastic giver in the church, awesome, show me the fruit. I want to see the fruit in their lives. The scriptures we're going to work through are Philippians 4, 14 through to 20. Let's read them together. Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. Let me tell you, most churches close and most ministers leave the ministry because the church doesn't support them. The congregation doesn't support them. There's plenty of other reasons, but that's probably one of the top ones. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once again for my necessities. Now, this is Paul. This guy has spent a lot of time in prison. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus. I love some of the Hebrew names that I can't pronounce. The things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How much of our need is he going to supply? All. According to who? Christ Jesus. His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's got nothing to do with our job. Nothing to do with how wealthy or how poor our family is. He supplies. Verse 20. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's epistle to the Philippians has been called the epistle of joy. He wrote from a prison cell to express his gratitude for their fellowship and partnership with him in the ministry of the gospel. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're heading to South Korea in the middle of next year with Apostle Dai. You know, South Korea is actually a communist nation now. Most people believe it's still a democracy. It's actually a communist nation. So if we get locked up, we'll be sending you letters of gratitude. 
They'd sent a gift to meet his needs, and we won't get locked up there. We'll be looked after. They sent a gift to meet his needs and made it possible for him to concentrate on sharing the good news of God's love even as a prisoner. Even as a prisoner, he was looked after, so all he had to concentrate on was sharing the word of God. His bondage had served to advance the gospel in a difficult place. If you have a listen to the message I did on Thursday night, it was about the conversion of the Philippian jailer. The Holy Spirit moved in that jail, and people were saved. This guy was ready to run himself through with a sword because he was going to be punished. And Paul said, no, wait, we're all still here. They're all still worshipping the Lord. Paul rejected any desire to receive a gift though, didn't he? He wasn't chasing the gift. He was resisting it and rejecting it. He was thinking more in terms of the benefit that giving brought to the hearts and the minds and the lives of the givers. Philippians 4.17 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds in your account. We are the same. As a church, we are the same. You can give or not. That's up to you. That's between you and God. But ultimately, we see the people that do give and the people that do it happily get blessed. We've seen it. That's what turned our lives around. Once we got it from our heads, which were quite resistant, down into our hearts, and we were tithing and we were giving our first fruits out to rumour, our lives changed. We didn't have enough money to pay our bills and then all of a sudden we did. And then we had some more. And in a couple of years we bought two houses. I'm not saying God's going to do the same thing for you, but that was the turning point. We still remember the pastor's office that we were sitting in when it happened. Satan won a great victory, didn't he? When he set forth the idea that God was trying to impoverish us by teaching us to be givers. If you believe that the church wants you to give just because they want your money and that, that Christians should be poor, Satan has already won the victory in your life. The greatest need is our personal need to be givers. We have a friend who's just bought a, an apartment in our building. And he went down to the Chinese restaurant downstairs the other night and the lady knows us very well. Lindy knows us very well. Probably we go there too often, I'm thinking. And, and she says, oh, your, your friend was here. Okay, was, was he behaving himself? If, you, if You'll meet Peter at some stage. Big ex-bikey. I went to Papua New Guinea on, on missions trips with him and he's a believer. Or he is now. And she says, you know that homeless lady down there that causes all the trouble in Narang Street? Yep, Ava. She said, he gave me $200 to make sure I take her a meal every single day. Said, Praise the Lord. That's what it is to be a giver. Peter hasn't been in a church for five years. What are we doing? That greatest personal need is for us to be able to give. Have you stopped to think about the benefits of being a generous giver to the point of giving above your tithe? For some of us, have you thought about actually giving your tithe? You never hear me preach about money, but you're getting it today. 
First point today. Giving generously gives us the privilege of entering into partnership with God's servants around the world. We can't all go to Israel in June. We can't all go to South Korea. We can't all travel to South Africa, not that we're going next year, but we can't all travel the world preaching the ministry, but we can partner with people that do. Philippians 4.15 says, Now you Philippians also know also that in the beginning of the gospel, <coughs> excuse me, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. When we started our ministry, we were traveling the world preaching the gospel. No one supported it. 3 John 8 says, We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. By means of our gifts, we have the privilege of going to many different places and ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. We paid a few years ago to put the, a roof on a small church in Mexico, which we just happened to meet the pastor. We were driving past. They'd, the building was sort of half finished. They'd run out of money. We helped pay for a roof. We actually got photos of that roof maybe four or six weeks ago on the building. They're meeting in there. We got to do that. We can't go back to Mexico and do it ourselves, but we got to see the fruit. By means of our gifts, we have the privilege of going to many different countries, many different places. Not everyone wants to go out and feed the homeless, but we can be part of it. We can perform surgery in Christian hospitals by sowing into them. We can preach the gospel in foreign lands. We can care for orphans and the aged. You know, I don't know whether I've shared this with everyone or not. At the end of the last financial year, we get our, our, our the church books audited every, every year and we've given away 13%, almost 13% it was, of the, the offerings that had come into the church went out to orphanages and different ministries around the world and, and stuff on the Gold Coast. And I said to Pastor Amir, I said, that's not good enough. And that's just doing the bare minimum. I think we should do more, maybe 20% if we can. Now, for a small church, 20% is a lot. This year, I think it was closer to 23% the church sowed into other ministries and orphanages and that sort of thing. And you know, at the same time, that 23% is actually a lot more because the offerings went up as well. Everything grew. Everything grew. That time last year, we were actually meeting in the Girl Guides Hall at Labrador. Everything grew. Everyone here now wouldn't have fit in there. We can care for orphans and the aged. We can participate in the life of the pastor as they visit and minister on behalf of the congregation. If anyone's tried to ring me through the week and get an appointment with me, you'll know it's pretty hard because the days are booked out. But you're part of that. You're part of it. Second thing today is giving generously places us in a position to receive the blessings that are promised by the Father. 
that verse that Pastor Ramel used, bring all the tithes, Malachi 3, 10 to 12, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer, devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I absolutely believe everyone's praying for revival, and you've heard me say it, that we need reformation first. I absolutely believe that this verse is the key to it. Bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. You want reformation, you need to start doing what the Bible says. And then watch revival flow from that. And then we have the revolution that will come after it. God doesn't promise riches to those who faithfully tithe and give, does he? Doesn't promise that. Like some of those tele-evangelists, if you just sow $100 today, you'll get a hundredfold return. I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. He doesn't promise riches to those who faithfully tithe and give generously. But he does promise to bless them financially and to help them meet their needs of their families. This is what we saw. When we started giving, we were able to buy my parents' house so they can now live there rent-free in their retirement. We didn't have a spectacular income to be able to do that. The one thing that changed in our lives was our giving. There's no way that you can read these words from Malachi and come to any other conclusion. If you can tell me that the Bible says if you give, you're going to get, I'd love to see it. He doesn't promise us riches. He promises that we'll be blessed. Being blessed is not always money. He may help us by making us immune to high-pressure advertising. Get ready for it. What are we, 20 days away from Christmas? Anyone watch the TV lately or listen to the radio with all the ads? Black Friday, 50% off. Buy it now. High-pressure advertising. He might make us immune from that, which will mean we'll keep some of the money that we've already got. That's a blessing. He may help us resist impulsive buying. He may help us find a better deal. He may help us be better managers of our time and our finances. Who likes watching TV? No one. Yep, Pastor Amanda, we, maybe he's got better things with our time that could be done. Who likes playing video games? I know there's a couple of people here. Maybe the Lord's got a way to bless you and use your time in better ways. I don't know. Many people have testified to the fact that God has blessed them with additional income. We sold our businesses coming up to two years ago now. We haven't lacked. The Lord has provided every single week. There's been times when we've thought, oh, how are we going to pay this bill? But they've always been paid. The greatest blessing that comes to the generous giver is the joy that results 
when God's blessings come into their heart and their life. The joy we felt when we saw the photos and the video of that, that church with a roof on it that we know we sewed into is unbelievable. The joy that comes into our hearts when, when we see people that we've, we've been to crusades in Mexico and different countries and you see these people coming down to get saved or coming down to get repentance or to repent or, or coming down to get deliverance. The joy that comes into our hearts because we've been able to sow into that is incredible. Third thing today is giving generously makes it possible for us to have treasure in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 to 21 says, tells us, lay up our treasures in heaven. If anyone's unsure too why we have some Chinese, some Mandarin characters pop up on the screen, we're expecting a large Chinese congregation at some stage. So we will sow that seed into having Mandarin on the screen so they come. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. We touched on this last week. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did anyone go home? And through the week, ask their children if they wanted their stuff, like I suggested last week. Because your kids don't want all your stuff. You can't take it with you. Test them on that. Ask them. Hey, do you want my furniture? No. Do you want my TV that's 10 years old? No. Your kids don't want it. <laughs> They're not interested. We all know that those things make, or those of us who, who make regular deposits in a savings account and don't withdraw anything over time will accumulate a significant amount of money. Until you realise that there's such thing as inflation and that money is actually worth less every year. These are deathly treasures, aren't they? You can't take them with you. They're worthless. The person who gives generously to God's work, though, throughout the years is accumulating spiritual treasures that won't tarnish and they're sitting in heaven's bank. Lay up crowns for yourself in heaven. These gifts are used in such a way as to bless the lives of others who will someday go to heaven. Who's believing for a friend or a family member to be saved? Their lives could be blessed because someone else sows. Because the chance of them listening to us is very slim. It might take someone else. We've heard the stories of it so many times when we travel overseas. We've been praying for auntie so-and-so or uncle whoever for 20 years and then they talk to you and they're saved. Well, I didn't do it in the first place. It was the Holy Spirit, but they just need to hear it from someone else. Because they think we're crazy, right? Our families think we're crazy. If they don't, they're either believers or, or you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> Even with Pastor Amanda, with the way she preaches to some people sometimes and the way she talks to them, I'm like, oh, that's a bit crazy. I'll just 
but it has impact. It has impact. We're all different. These gifts are used in such a way to bless the lives of others who will someday go to heaven. We've got to remember that. Our fourth thing today, essentially what we're doing there is we're transferring the coin of earth, the dollars from earth, into the coins of heaven. We're laying up our treasures there. It's the best foreign exchange ever. There's no exchange rate on it. <laughs> it's like transferring Dogecoin into Bitcoin. It's just better. <laughs> Generous giving is our fourth thing. Generous giving increases our capacity to receive both the blessings of God and the favor of others. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's not saying if you give money, you'll get money back. It's saying if you give stingily, guess what you're going to get back. If you give generously, guess what you're going to get back. It's one of the most twisted scriptures in the Bible, I believe. A person's debit card protection instinct. Has everyone got their visa or their MasterCard with them today? You've got it tucked away safely. You know where it is. You're going to protect it at all costs. Don't let Pastor Amanda go around with the FPOS machine just in case. That instinct to protect it causes us to miss out on the great truths in this tremendous statement of Jesus. The first word... As Pastor Ramel said, I don't know whether he read my message today or not, the first word is a command that should also be considered as an invitation. Give. Give. It's that simple. It doesn't say think about it. It doesn't say how much or what to give. It just says give. Jesus is talking about a total way of life. As believers, we should be giving. Could be our finances, could be our time, could be whatever. As believers, we should give. And the rest of the verse is a promise, isn't it? it? Tells us how God will bless us and how other people will also bring benefit to us. The measure you give is the measure you will get back. I read a story through the week, a true story of a big American pastor who, this is 40 odd years ago, finally managed to get the money to buy a house and then paid it off. And then his wife said to him, I feel as though I should sow this house into some other family. You guys know who this is. And it took him a year to make the decision and said, yes, I'll sow the house. Fully paid off, gave a house to somebody. And then did it again. Bought a house, paid it off, gave it to somebody. We know stories of ministers that it doesn't happen in Australia, but in America, ministers have planes because they'll preach in three or four states in a day. They sow their plane when they need a bigger one, they'll give it to another ministry. They'll give it to someone else in need of a plane. And in time, a bigger, better plane comes along. 
This is how God can bless us. We've sown, we've given cars away. Still waiting for a couple of them to come back, but when we sow, we can expect a return because we're not just giving. We're not just giving money away. We're sowing, aren't we? When we when we plant a crop, we expect to reap a harvest. We don't plant it and go, oh, we'll just, I won't look after it. I'll just walk away. And We expect to get a return. This great principle is true in the business world. It's in family life. It's in every area of our life. If we sow into our children, our children will grow, won't they? If we neglect our children, what do we end up with? We've got to give them time. We've got to nurture them. The more you give, we're just talking about money here, we're talking about everything, the more you increase your capacity to receive. Let me say that again. The more you give, the more you increase your capacity to be able to receive. Fifth thing today, I'm getting to the end. Generous giving increases our feelings of security with God. Has anyone had that, that still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit come to them and say, I think you should give that person $20, $50, $100, $1,000. I once had the Lord say to me, go and give that person $5,000. I went, what? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I was reminded of this the other day. It was in one of my old notebooks. And we did it. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt. We didn't have an extra $5,000 laying around, but we did it. But you get that feeling of security when you're actually listening to the Holy Spirit, don't you? And you're obedient to it. Because you know, you just know that you know that you know that that seed is going to grow. Generous giving increases our feelings of security. The principles of good farming apply in the realm of the Spirit as well as in the realm of agriculture. Sonny doesn't plant an apple tree expecting oranges to grow. He doesn't plant tomatoes expecting wheat. Those who are stingy with their seed will reap a small harvest. If you plant 10 seeds, Sonny, how many plants are you expecting to grow? 100, 200, or 10? Those who plant or sow an adequate amount of seed have the hope of an abundant harvest, don't they? I remember when we had our old place, we had a, a great little vegetable garden there. And I always used to plant way too much, way more than what we needed. We'd have carrots and radishes and, and stuff, let, I mean, lettuce everywhere. Because that's how we sow. We want that abundant harvest. The problem of what we do with it afterwards there's a whole other problem we deal with. It's when we get to give it to other people. You've seen it here some weeks. There's tomatoes, there's lettuce, there's all sorts of things left up the back for people just to help themselves. That's coming from an abundant harvest. Not the just enough or, or in lack, it's an abundant harvest. Those who give generously can expect the blessings of a gracious God to be upon the work of their heads and their hearts and their hands. God is the great giver. Scripture tells us that God loves us 
and loves those who imitate him. He sent his son to die for our sins. The great giver will not let those who imitate him suffer want or poverty. If if you've got just enough, that may be enough. We all go through those seasons where the Lord provides just enough. Think of Isaiah getting fed by raven. He had just enough. It was Isaiah, wasn't it? Yep. Elijah, sorry. Getting fed by ravens. But if you don't have enough, maybe the Lord's saying there's something you need to do. Don't blame him. Maybe he's asking you to do something. Maybe he's asking you to be obedient. Maybe, I don't know what it is. But actually, for some people I do, but I'm not going to tell you. You need to work that out yourself. Seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will follow. Everything else will be added to you. He'll increase both the harvest field when we imitate him and increase the harvest of the field. Why do you think we're now meeting on Sunday afternoons at Yatla? The harvest field has been widened. And it increases the harvest of the Spirit as the givers see themselves as channels through which his blessings can flow to others. I don't know how much we've given away over the years, especially when we had our businesses. Because we treated ourselves like a funnel. The money would come in, vehicles would come in, stuff would come in, and we would be the channel, the conduit, to send it to where it needed to go. And you know what? The next month, there was just more. We gave it away, and it got filled up again. It's like the lady with the jars of oil. When did the oil stop flowing? When she ran out of jars. But while she was filling them up and giving it away, it kept flowing, didn't it? As we finish up, the Lord wants us to be in that same spirit where we can see ourselves as channels through which blessings can flow to others. Now, if you want to put a dam there in your life and and hold it all, eventually the dam fills up and then it stops flowing. Jesus taught in Acts 20.35 that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's hard for some people. The giving bit's pretty easy sometimes. It's the receiving. I've had to learn over the last few years, don't be embarrassed when someone gives you something. I think Pastor Amanda would be the same. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus discovered this truth in actual experience. Jesus was saying that there is more excitement and joy and happiness in a life of giving than there is in a life of acquiring and keeping. I used to work for the richest man in Australia when he was alive. Let me tell you, him and his friends and the people that hung around him were some of the most miserable people I've ever met. They had so much money they couldn't spend it all. Man, they even bought casinos 
That's how much money they had. And casinos are like cash cows, and they still couldn't be happy and spend everything. They'd built that dam in their lives of acquiring and keeping. And we all do it at some stage in our lives and at different levels. Never noticed for those that have got children, Christmas Day, birthdays, you're just as excited as they are as they're opening their gifts. It's more blessed to give than receive. You can have that feeling all the time. Each of us would be exceedingly wise to try giving ourselves away. Try giving ourselves away. For those that have been in ministry and are in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. To have any longevity in ministry, your life is not your own. You've got to give everything away. Everything. Time. Finances. Try going from earning several hundred thousand dollars a year to zero as a minister. See how that goes. For years on end. We've got to give ourselves away. Get someone like Apostle Di who's been in ministry for, for a while. Longer than some of us in the room have been alive. She lives by faith. The Lord always provides because she's given her life away. And there's probably nothing else she'd rather be doing. We've got to try giving ourselves away. Let us first of all give ourselves to God. You know, that job that you sow all that time into, I'm not saying to leave it, but you know what? Your boss doesn't care. If you, get, if you leave or you get sacked, you're just a number. They'll replace you tomorrow. But you put so much time and energy into keeping the boss happy so you can get what? Money. But you sacrifice time with your children, time with your family, time with the Lord. I'm not saying don't leave your job because that would be just silly unless the Lord told you to. But we've got to try and get our, our focus right and our, our mentality right. give ourselves our time our talents and when we say talents it could be what are you good at or it could be talents in the bible money our energy what do we put our energy into that's not right just waste our energy waste our time and we need to put our words of affirmation and encouragement to those nearest and dearest to us we've got to give them who needs some more encouragement? Who needs to be affirmed? Just, just myself and Gloria? <laughs> we all need it, don't we? We all need some encouragement sometimes. We all need to be affirmed. Sometimes with that comes a little bit of discipline that we don't like, but it's all wrapped into one. Let us determine. Let us make that decision to be contributors to the well-being of those around us. Like our friend Peter feeding the homeless lady, going to the Chinese restaurant. So he's actually helping three people there, isn't he? He's helping himself by giving. He's helping the restaurant. He's not giving the money to the homeless lady. He's helping the restaurant 
So she's making money out of it. And the homeless lady's getting fed and knows that someone's looking out for her. He's being a contributor to those around him. Let us do the same thing. Instead of just being consumers of what others produce. Yeah, we all get to be contributors in the church. Remember a few weeks ago when I was breaking all those old wineskins? I am the church. I don't need to go. If you're the church, you need to be contributing to it. However that looks. Not just a consumer. If you want to go to consumerism church, there's plenty on the Gold Coast. I can point you to a couple. I'll introduce you to the pastors myself. And they have a place, don't get me wrong. But being part of a church is being a contributor. <coughs> being part of a family is contributing to the family. The benefits of being a giver are far greater than the benefits being received by those who think of life only in terms of being a box to be filled. Our younger generations are often like that, aren't they? I only want to do that job if it suits me. I only want to, whatever it is. I should be able to go on a holiday every month because I deserve it. I need to be filled. That's wrong thinking. We've got to stop thinking in terms of, of a life that's being filled and start actually being a giver. Start filling some others up. Paul encourages us to give as the Philippians gave. That we might be partners with God in His work seeking to save the lost. You know, when you sow into a church that gives away 20-something percent or more of the the tithes and offerings that come in, you're actually sowing into kingdom. You're not sowing into the pastor. You're not sowing into clearly the, the carpet and the equipment because it's not ours, the carpet. The hall is not ours. You're not sowing into a building. You're sowing into kingdom. I'm going to leave it there, I think. Because we've got some work to do outside. So, Lord, we thank you. Do another song? I'm sure we can do, we can have some ministry time. Let me just pray. Lord, we thank you that we can gather here on your Gold Coast, your God Coast. This city will be one for you, Lord. We're already seeing it start to happen. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being contributors to the kingdom, being kingdom-minded people, not just receivers, but givers. Lord, the glory is all yours, the blessings that we've seen flow through this church. The missions, Lord, and the missionaries that this church will send out and has sent out, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that as a kingdom-minded people, it's about you. We'll just be the instruments that you use, Lord. And if that means we're persecuted, which we have no idea what that word means in Australia compared to some other places in the world. But if it means we need to be persecuted and spat on and kicked and whatever it might be, Lord, use us. Use us, Lord. Give us the boldness to preach your word. 
in those places where no one else wants to go. Give us the wisdom, Lord, on who to preach to. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen.